2: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW for void. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: What's up, night fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon & Partners. Since 1993, Gordon & Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. Visit their website, ForTheInjured.com, or text 407 913 5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best, and trust a knight. Gordon and Partners for the injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports, with your distinguished host, Adam. Let's all get together and see who can solve the wordle the fastest and
3: Mike. You know, last year I think I said about 30 people in the UCF Sons of UCF group. Let's try to double that. Let's try to get 50. Man.
1: Now, here are the guys.
2: Hello Night Nation. I'm Trace Strokel. Welcome to this Sons of UCF extra preview of the 2022 Big 12 season. Let's welcome in Adam and Mike. Guys, with UCF moving to the Big 12 in 2023, I know I'm keeping my eye on UCF's future opponents this season.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun season because I will definitely be keeping an eye more on the Big 12 than I probably ever would have, right? I'll probably find myself tuning into that high noon, you know, uh, Baylor-Texas Tech game that I probably would have slipped past before just to kind of keep tabs on it. So it'll be fun to kind of keep eyes on both conferences this year. You know, obviously our focus has to stay on the AAC right now, but it'll definitely be fun to keep an eye and see what's happening in the Big 12.
3: Big 12 has always been fun to watch. A lot of high scoring offenses all the time. That championship game last year was a thriller. I enjoyed watching that. And it's going to be cool to have a season where I don't really have a horse in the race. I can just kind of sit back and watch them beat each other up and and just enjoy some good football.
2: Do you think you watch it, though, sizing up what we know about UCF going into the Big 12 against these teams?
0: Yes, for sure. Yeah, I think you want to see, obviously, how our style of play. And It'll be interesting to see, juxtaposed to how we're playing at that moment in time, how the other teams are playing as well, obviously. A lot of unknowns for us this year. John Rice Plumby, the quarterback. No one's really ever seen him play quarterback, so we don't know what we're getting into there. So it'll be interesting to see how the offense is shaping up, how the defense is shaping up, watching the Big 12 in parallel, too. I think probably some freak out moments when we see some some teams over there that are playing really well. And we eke out a 1713 East Carolina victory. Uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how fans react to some of that stuff.
3: Yeah. But the one thing we can all agree on, just beat up on Texas and Oklahoma. Right. We're all in on that bandwagon and just whatever is best for the conference going forward. That's what we're rooting for.
0: we're already conditioned to horns down. I mean, I think we're already there. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a natural integration for us. So we're good there
2: that is definitely something we're used to let's get to know a little bit more about the big 12 let's welcome in philip slave host of the 1012 podcast part of the 1012 network philip welcome into the sons of ucf extra
1: hey guys thanks for having me today i'm coming to you live from my daughter's playroom which is uh where i now get to record things which is great because we've got one of those um like couch cushion play things which works as a great backdrop against the wall really absorbs the sound for me so keep the audio quality uh, great even though it's I'm getting old and now my knees hurt every time I have to get up from sitting cross-legged for 30 minutes to record a podcast.
2: (laughs) Well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, What do you, first, what do you make of the future Big 12 with the addition of BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, of course, UCF?
1: I mean, there's the storylines we hear all the time. It's going to be even more competitive because you're not going to have a dominant Oklahoma. It's going to be a lot of of excitement. Uh, It won't be as good at the top, blah, 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 blah. I mean, to me... You have, look. We can talk about TV viewership and TV numbers, which I know that lots of people in the national media, over at the Athletic and everybody else, has been just pondering on ad nauseum for the past more than 365 days. But there's no argument that Big 12 fan bases, the eight that are remaining, are some of the most rabid fan bases possible, and they've become even more online than they ever used to be. There's that Fox College sports uh, football fan poll going on, and everybody in the final eight of it's current or future big 12 teams and so i look at that and i look at the teams that are coming in and i i almost feel like there's becoming this connective tissue between the four teams and the eight that are that are remaining before they even arrive like there's this relationship building and we talk about it on the network all the time and i keep making the joke but you know part of the reason we've brought you guys on to the network and brought our Houston show into the network. Cause I'm treating it like we're engaged. We're basically married. We just haven't walked down the aisle yet. We're all family. We're going to the family picnics. We basically moved in together. We just got to seal the deal in front of all our friends and family with, with season one in 2023. But you know, I, I do feel like this is a conference that it is I mean, we people can say it flipping all they want. It's going to be a ton of fun. It is going to be a very competitive conference. And I don't mean that from the standpoint that I think is often used. It's like, well, they're all really close and it'll be cute, and, you know, but none of them are really going to be challengers for anything. No, I think these are, fa- these are schools and programs who are all very committed to being as successful as possible in all aspects of college athletics, especially in football, where you make the most money, let's just be honest about it. And while, look, no one in here is recruiting at a top 10, top 5, top 15 level, the reason the Big 12 has been so successful is because, look, there's really good coaches in this conference. There are really exceptional college football coaches in this conference. And and with what you're going to bring in with Gus Malzahn, with you guys have at UCF uh, with fickle at Cincinnati um, with Nia at, wait, that's at BYU. Yeah. Okay. Uh no way. Is that? He's at Navy. Sorry. He's Navy, um, yeah. We're not bringing in Navy. No, we're not bringing no, in no, Navy.
0: I don't want Navy. I want nothing to do with Navy.
1: <laughs> and we can debate Holgerson at Houston all we want. I just, I think this is a big 12 where, it is going to be close and it is going to be competitive and it is going to be fun. And not because it's not good enough at the top, but because it really is just going to be a very exciting collection of football teams where, you know what, you may not know who's going to be in the conference championship game every year. And, you know, everybody wants some things to change. You're tired of seeing the same four teams in the playoff. Well, if you're sick of seeing the same names over and over and over again in conference championship games, then you should be paying attention to the big 12 because I think you're going to get a lot of variety and not because teams are going to be volatile because it's just going to be that competitive top to bottom. Let me ask you
2: this. uh, Also, there's a lot of talk here in Central Florida, followers of UCF, that whether UCF is the right cultural fit for the Big 12. What does that mean? What what is the culture of the Big 12?
1: I think because you're talking about a lot of universities where you you guys are in Orlando. UCF is in a major metropolitan area. Oklahoma State is in Stillwater. Um, It is a 35 40 minute drive from oklahoma city or it's a 45 minute drive from tulsa there is not a straight thoroughfare straight interstate to Stillwater. you have to get off of either interstate and get there right it's kind of in the middle of nowhere um it's you can't just land a plane straight that well though there's an airport you can get there straight from dallas on an american airlines flight if you got a lot of money which i started doing for some of the rich alums in the dallas fort worth area you look at kansas state and manhattan it's not a thriving metropolis you look at lawrence kansas it's a great college town it's not a thriving metropolis ames iowa um, yes, TCU is in Fort Worth. Lubbock is a good-sized city, but it's so far out in West Texas, I don't think people even realize how big it actually is. Waco just kind of a, a, a growing, small college town. So I think the, the biggest difference to me when we talk about UCF, Cincinnati, who joined, Houston, who's joining, you're talking about universities who, I mean, their names, they are in large metropolitan areas, and you're joining a conference where you get a lot of schools that are in call it true college towns like austin is not a college town don't come to me like the best college towns if you put austin in your top 10 and i love austin it's a great fun place to go and hang out it's a great fun place to be it's a great fun place to be whether you're going there for ut game or if you're just going to austin what defines a great college town is you're going there because it's a fun place to go for college athletics or things related to that university i live in a tiny town in the middle of arkansas there's a small d3 university here it's not really a college town, but it's basically a college town. Like a college town to me is there's not a thousand other things to do where you're located. You're there because you're going for the school. And so I, if you want to talk about that kind of a difference, sure. But I think the more I paid attention to UCF and the more I paid attention to UCF fans, that I've been trying to do that as much as I can. I think there are a lot more similarities between UCF and Cincinnati and Houston and BYU and the eight Big 12 schools who will be here after Oklahoma and Texas leave than I think most fan bases realize. And I think the more that time that we spend together and tailgate together and, and visit each other for football and softball and basketball and all the other sports, I think we're going to find that out. Because the more I paid attention on at least social media from this point is I think these are just rabid fan bases that love their school and are passionate about it. I think there are more similarities than differences. Yeah Phil what's
0: the perception of UCF for the for the schools that are in the Big 12 UCF coming in what's the perception of UCF what's your perception of UCF as you've kind of watched them afar but now getting a little closer as, as we you know make our entrance in 2023
1: I mean, I think most people's perception of UCF is based off of the, the national championship year. I'm sorry. I have to use air. Quotes. Whoa. Hey now, hey. I'm, just, I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> easy, that's easy. But, hey. but but understand that's the outsider perspective of UCF. I think that's most people's perspective of UCF fair. Otherwise those who aren't connected to UCF or don't see or, or on a regular basis aren't playing UCF year in and year out. Their only perception is that one big season and how the fans have reacted to it. And, and afterwards, um, like i said fair or otherwise but the more i've gotten to know ucf and, and having talked to you guys in, in large part to be perfectly honest i mean I'm, we had uh, adam and mike on the show uh, to introduce you guys when you guys joined the network and i you answered a lot of questions it really did make me feel like one of the reasons i think ucf is such a great fit is i i do think you are i think your guys are just really really passionate and when all the time you ever noticed somebody is when their fans are on social at their most online and most annoying, that is going to sway your opinion and your viewpoint of them. But the more time you spend with anybody, like we talked about, this is like a Hallmark movie. We, you know, you guys are just the obnoxious guy that we would never end up with, but we're going to by the end of the movie because it turns out you actually have a very soft, Mike Mike loves those movies. (laughs) So like, (laughs) I I mean it as a joke, but also like I think that's the reality. Because again, I I do think the more I've gotten to know Houston fans and UCF fans, and maybe it's just because of the ones that I have been limited to since I've really been paying attention to. Maybe it's just the the good ones all come and focus and talk to us on the ten twelve network and the ten twelve podcast, and and you've given me this great new perspective on these fan bases. But it's like I said, I I think my perception has changed drastically because I've actually taken the time to try and get to know the fans of UCF as best as I can. And and so far I've liked what I've seen.
3: I think it's obvious that most hated schools right now in the big 12 are Texas and Oklahoma, but with those two leaving, who now takes over that reign as the most hated school in the conference and how long will it take for UCF to become that most hated (laughs) school?
1: I mean, I, I was afraid you guys might be until I got to know you a little better, and that that might that opportunity is still. Going. We're not
2: representative of the entire <laughs> Twitter mafia. Okay. Mike, a little bit more so than Adam and I. <laughs> hey,
1: I keep making the joke. The Big Twelve is the most online conference fan base possible. You guys are going to fit right in. Um, I, I'm not I'm not sure who that's going to be yet. And OU and Texas have been easy targets because OU has had a lot of success and Texas has a lot of money, right? So it's, it's two fan bases that are easy to point out and say, those are the enemy because we all want to beat them. Um, I think if you ask different fan bases, they're going to give you different answers. Um, Kansas State and Iowa State fans can't stand each other. The Farmageddon is a real rivalry. It may not be as big of a rivalry on the actual football field nationally, but it's going to be the best rivalry in the Big 12 once Oklahoma and Texas lead the conference. Uh, I think they don't like each other. There's a lot of fans who would tell you that it's Baylor for reasons off of the football field that we don't have to, talk about because everyone knows what happened at the university of Baylor some years ago. Um, I think UCF has an opportunity because of the perception of UCFN based off of the national championship year. So I I don't know that there is going to be one fan base that everybody just hates because unless somebody rises to the top and becomes Oklahoma and wins the conference on a regular basis, unless their fan base becomes ridiculously obnoxious because of it and full of Twitter trolls. I just, I don't know that there's going to be one. You're the ultimate hated enemy unless someone does something awful or that makes the conference look bad, or there is a fan base that just becomes so obnoxious and untethered from reality that we're all like, I mean, everyone needs that crazy uncle in the conference. we just not sure who's going to step up and take that role.
2: You're doing a great job weaving this family analogy. Thank you. All the, it's, by the way, is Texas and Oklahoma the exes or the estranged spouses that are still uh, hanging out at the
1: party?
0: What are, yeah, they are, they, are they at the barbecue, the picnic?
1: <laughs> no, they're gone. Their their invites have been uh, have been rescinded. Um, we're still going through divorce court right now, but once we're done, we will be ceasing all ties of communication between uh, them and us.
2: On a recent Suns episode, we welcome in a guest uh, representing TCU, and the cautionary tale there was the the move that UCF is going to make from the American to the Big Twelve may be a little tougher than a lot of fans in Night Nation expect. What would you say to that?
1: I'm really curious about that, and that's been one of my biggest questions about the four schools incoming, because you think about the success that TCU had before they joined the Big 12, but when they got to the Big 12, year one, seven and six, year two, four and eight, and then they had two really good years of 12 and one and 11 too, but it it took till year three for them to really get things rolling when they arrived. West Virginia, um, seven and six, four and eight, seven and six, eight and five, 10 and three. It took them a little bit longer um, once they got to the Big 12, and I think that's more to do with geography, um, with issues with West Virginia, they've, they've always been a bit of an odd fit. Uh, we love them very much. At least I do. I think their fan base is great. Uh, but there's no arguing that they have very for a long time pined for their ex girlfriend, which is the ACC and the teams there that they used to play, um, far more than they have really focused on their current relationship with the big 12. Yeah. I can keep making this joke all night. I'll see how long I can keep it going. Um, <laughs> And so I really am curious of the four schools coming in. You know, TC and West Virginia, they're going to be here next year, and then they were there, and it took them a few years. Um, With UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, and BYU all having a year, basically, of preparation. Everybody found out they were joining back in 2021. Now, So you had the 2021 season, you had the 2022 season, and then everyone's joining in 2023. Does that time before they get to the Big 12 help them better be set up to be acclimated to it when they arrive? Um, you would expect that there's they have been able to use that as a recruiting tool um, for the 2022 class and, and potentially the 2023. So maybe you've had two classes that will be joining each of those schools who are better suited to serve in the Big 12. Also, you have the transfer portal, and you didn't have the transfer portal back then. The transfer portal is the way to try and boost your roster in, in a specific year to try and improve the talent level and be more competitive in the Big 12. I think the four teams joining are better suited to have immediate success now than TCU and West Virginia were then, and it's not necessarily because of the four teams and who they are so much as the timing of, of them joining and having the two years of preparation, both to just from a roster standpoint and a, and a everything else to get ready, not to mention just the state of college football now and having the transfer portal and the immediately ability to immediately improve or drastically change your roster to be more prepared for a move to a power five conference.
0: Let's talk about basketball for a second. Is there any chance you think we can get all the schools in the Big 12 to spot us 20 points a game to start? Cuz if not, we're going to be in trouble for a couple of years here in the Big 12.
1: Is 20 going to be enough?
0: Uh, I mean, I was just trying to be nice. I figured it's a oh, nice sorry. round number. I don't know.
1: I'm sorry. You guys had a nice game against Duke a couple of years ago.
0: <laughs> we had a nice game a couple of years ago. 2018, that's fine. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, look, um can I, can I just be honest as a fan of a big 12 school in Oklahoma state as a conference, you know, we used to have TCU to pick on and, and when they were here, we had AM to pick on for a while. It'd be nice to have a school where you'd one game off, you know, you have Kansas nice to meet you. football. We're here. Nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't hate the opportunity to play UCF twice a year, home and away just to feel like you've got a couple of easier games. And I, I know that's a low hanging fruit joke here, but look, the big 12 schools are all committed to basketball and TCU wasn't for a while and now they are, and you've seen the success they're able to have. I think if you are a program that becomes committed to men's basketball and women's basketball for that matter, because the big 12 and women's basketball is vastly underrated and very good. Um, I think once the university decides to, to invest in it, the big 12's reputation very much is a uh, tide that lifts all ships. Um, mm. It's hard. It is a gauntlet every single year. Um, but I, I, and it'll be tough for a few years for UCF, unless you just are able to to bring in some rosters with talent. Um, but I, I do think the big 12, I mean, look, Iowa state went winless two years ago, and then they got to the what sweet 16 last year. The big 12's reputation is something I think will help UCF a lot in recruiting um, in, in fundraising because the big 12 is such a rabid basketball fan base and, and basketball conference that, it's going to start to bleed into UCF, whether you guys and the fan base and the, and the university feel that way right now or not, it's going to get there. So even if you're bad now, again, TCU was bad for a long time until they finally said, "No, nah, we're, we're done with this. We're going to invest and we're going to be good at men's basketball as well, because it's important in the big 12 to be that way. I think UCF will get there. It could take a couple of years. It could take a little while. Um, but I do think once you get the higher, right, and I forget who the head coach at, the men's basketball team we just talked about the women's coach johnny dawkins oh, thank johnny you dawkins. i know we just hired the uh um baylor well, i guess lsu slash baylor assistant uh from kim mulkey to be the women's basketball coach city of yeah um,
2: yeah
1: uh jamie is very excited about that jamie steyer who's one of my uh, tinto podcast co-hosts and uh does color color commentary for the uh, iowa state women's basketball team on the radio um she's very excited about that hire so you guys should feel good because she knows what she's talking about I just think how she, it's
0: a, how does she feel about Johnny Dawkins?
2: <laughs>
1: ask her about women's. No, I'm just kidding. Uh,
2: by the way, we said we're the future of college football. We never said anything about <laughs> the future of college basketball. Just
1: if you're joining the Big Twelve, like <laughs> I'm sure I can't imagine they sat in that meeting and the and the Big 12 board presidents like, how do you feel about basketball? And UCF went, we don't care. Like uh, try again. <laughs> because Memphis would fedex would love for us to bring memphis in instead so. how are
2: you in cheerleading because we're really good at <laughs> cheerleading and uh, they're are, at basketball games so that's good there's that the banners you guys really good the
1: softball and i am as a oklahoma state fan and an avid softball fan and a father of three daughters who i would love to see play softball i'm psyched with us losing oklahoma and texas and no this is not a shot at ucf in any way shape or form you're not replacing oklahoma or texas and what they are but I'm psyched for your softball showing at the Big 12 because I feel like UCF OSU series can get up, can get fun. And we need somebody else who can be a top notch host on a regular basis. I know last year was the first year, but I'm, I'm very excited with what you guys have building there at UCF and softball.
3: All right. We've spoken to somebody from each school so far, and we try to get them to all sell us on taking a trip there. Give me your ranking, the best road trip possible in the Big 12 and give me the worst one too. What's the place you never want to go to
1: again? All right, now I have to be fair because I haven't been to all the schools, and while it is on my bucket list to do so, like I said, I've got three kids that are three and under, so um, that that list is is on pause, collecting dust at the moment because not be a lot of trips to,
2: trip. to Lubbock. Is that what you're you're
1: saying? I was actually supposed to go to Lubbock for an Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game. A lot of people say that. They were
2: supposed to go to (laughs) Lubbock.
1: And then uh, my my wife's high school reunion decided to be on the exact same day as that game. So um, as a a smart man, I chose the high school reunion over the football game. Um, I have heard great things about Lubbock from those who have gone there. Uh, At least Texas Tech fans love it. I've been to Norman. They continue to make tailgating worse than when I went there. Uh, There's not better tailgating than Stillwater. And if you can go for homecoming, it's the best homecoming in the country. Um, It's a ton of fun. I've been to Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence is a great college town. Like, we can make jokes about Kansas football. And and take Kansas football and set it aside. Lawrence is a fun college town town. the last time I was there, and that has been a little while, they had done quite a bit around their downtown area. I can only imagine it's even better now. I would love to get to Manhattan. Um, I have been to Austin, like I said, fun city. Um, I would love to get to Morgantown. I, my fear is that if I go to Morgantown, I might lose a couple of days as I try and drink with them. Um, I'm don't, My liver is not quite <laughs> what it used to be, nor my drinking constitution. I'm no longer in college. What's your
2: position I'm- on couch burning? Cause that seems
1: popular as long as I'm not sleeping on it. Cool. <laughs> I, I think everyone's different and everyone's fun in different ways. Um, like I said, I, I need to get to everybody at some point. I really do want to get to Ames because there is some good people and there is some great tailgating in Ames. And from everybody I've heard, who's gone up there, they've had a great time. It's a very welcoming fan base. And I think that's the biggest thing is you're going to find there's a lot of welcoming fan bases. I did go to TCU. Um, It was a good trip. It was a good trip. Um, I've never been to an away game that my Cowboys lost at, so it's always been a good trip for me every time I seem to have gone on the road uh, because my team always wins. So there's that.
2: Well, we don't need you to come to Orlando. Cross (laughs) cross that off. uh,
1: UCF next year. Got it. All right. Orlando.
2: Well, let's talk about that in the schedule uh, right now, 2023, going to have Oklahoma and Texas in there looking at a four or five split that uh, UCF is thinking four home games, five away games. What do you make of conference scheduling um, with Texas and Oklahoma and then without them?
1: Um, do you want me to be petty or realistic? Because petty me is make them- We leave.
2: love petty.
1: Make them go on the road to all four newcomers to year, every year until they leave. Um, it, it make it so that they can't both be in the conference championship game. Whatever you're gonna do to make them hate their very existence until they're. <laughs> I'm kidding, kind of. Uh, we have a very simple, tried and true message of the Ten Twelve podcast and, and the Ten Twelve network. Since I run it, uh, no divisions. Dagnabbit! Gosh darn it! Bleepity bleep bleep! No stinking divisions. Nobody wants. You don't to want that. legends. What's, what's I mean, legends. Sure. Neither legends nor leaders, nor husbands, nor wives, nor whatever you coastal. want to call What about, about a coastal? Team. I mean, West Virginia is near a coast. I think. <laughs> um, so it's a two-team division followed by. Uh, I want protected rivalries. I want whether it's two or three. I want the. I want the luxury and being able to adjust who you play on a regular basis. I want to. I want everyone to play everybody as often as you can. When it's at 14, when it's at 12, I do not want divisions. I think there's still some internal fighting amongst the ADs as to what the plan is going to be, which is why there still has not been a plan announced or a hint at what the plan is going to be. Um, I think hopefully Brett Yormark can unite everybody and get some things decided as opposed to everybody kind of working on what's best for themselves, which I get as an athletic director, your job is to do what's the best thing for your school. I'm not going to fault you for that. But there does come a point where, uh, again, Rising tides, lift all boats, let's do what's best for the conference. And in my opinion, that is making sure the two best teams get to the conference championship game every year. We don't need a division like we used to where you had one division that is dominant and another division that is not. Um, I think you need the two best teams in the conference championship game. And I like the idea of two or three teams that you play annually. We've got a situation in the Big 12 where Bedlam is going to be gone, Red River is going to be gone, there are rivalry games but none of them live up to those two in my opinion farmageddon is awesome it's gonna be super fun the revivalry it, it's got a oh, it great does. name and they need a trophy gosh darn it um the, the revivalry is, is a ton awesome. of fun uh my pitch has always been a, a tractor like transformer but it's very large <laughs> like man's <laughs> very obnoxious and made out of actual like tractor parts or just um beer cans which should be fitting the Revivalry <laughs> is a ton of fun Um, I think you're going to get TCU and BYU who used to play each other in the Mountain West. There's some heat there. West Virginia and Cincinnati used to play in the big East. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I want to, you can't force a rivalry and I understand that entirely. I get it. But I want annual opponents that you face every year and then rotate through everybody else as quickly and as fast and as often as you can, because I think that's going to help build the relationship between everybody even more, and it's going to lead to to new rivalries that we couldn't even picture. Like, you know, UCF BYU wanting to play every single year. a kid.
0: Philip, if I made you Brett your mark today and you had the opportunity to do whatever you want with the Big 12 expansion plans, you can go after any school you want, you can go after any strategy you want, where do you want to see the Big 12 go in terms of whatever is going to happen as dominoes continue to fall with expansion?
1: Well, if you're sitting with where you are, expansion is weird and tricky because in theory, here's the problem. And I think the biggest reason why you've had the hardest time locking down any teams from the Pac-10, and we had Matt Brown of Extra Points on the show to kind of talk about all the other things besides football, TV money, right? And one of the biggest issues for the schools in the Pac-10 bringing them over is their alumni bases, a lot of them are in California. And if your alumni base is in California, you want to be playing teams in the state of California on a pretty regular basis. The problem for the big 12 is do you want a conference that stretches all the way from Orlando, Florida to San Diego, California? Hell yeah. Unless you're going to get Big Ten money to help be able to cover the cost of trying to do that, that's going to put you in a tough spot for those teams that are on the far outreaches of the conference, in my opinion. I don't think that sets you up for the most success. It may sound really cool, it may look really cool. It may be funny having to watch San Diego State and UCF go visit each other every couple of years. But I'm not sure that's the best thing for your customers. Because unless adding those teams is going to guarantee you a significant increase in funds from TV revenue, as fun as it is to add the corner four, and I would love to get the Arizona schools, trust me. But if your issue is always going to be schools in the state of California, this isn't a shot at UCF, but you kind of shut the door on that when you added UCF. Um, because I don't think that's a good thing for UCF to have, to have teams that far apart from each other. Like we're talking about how ridiculous it is that USC and UCLA are going to have the closest school to them is Nebraska. How ridiculous is it that you're going to have teams from literally the two coasts in the same conference? And I think that's going to be your issue until the Pac-10 just completely falls apart because Oregon ends up somewhere else or Washington ends up somewhere else. And so you can snag those corner four of Utah, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona, State, or however many want to come over to the Big 12 Um, They make the most sense. I like Memphis selfishly because I live two hours from Memphis, so I'd love to be able to travel two hours to a, a Big Twelve school and go to games there. Um, Memphis itself as a city is kind of fun. Bill Street is neat, and they're really good at basketball. Typically, usually, um, there's so their like,
2: basketball rub again. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, get set in again. Selfishly, I would love Memphis, but I also understand why we're not going to add Memphis. Like I, I get it. I'm not, you know, from a business standpoint. So if I was Brett Yarmark, realignment will be whatever gives everybody the most money not not the conference, each team individually gets us the most money um, because it is an arms race. And you're never going to keep up with, with the Big Ten and, and the SEC at this point. It's just not possible. Um, what's most important is what strategy do I put together to make us the third most important or the third biggest or the third most recognizable brand as a conference? And that is the most important thing. The ADs are going to worry about what's best for each of their schools individually. I don't care. What I have to care about is what lifts the conference as a whole. It is all about brands now. The Big Ten is a brand. We can talk about the schools in the Big Ten and the importance of Ohio State and whatnot. The Big Ten is a brand. The SEC is a brand. If you go ask randos on the street and show them and ask them about, can you name any college conferences, you think they're going to name the Big 12? If they're not an avid fan of a school in the ACC, Pac-12, or Big 12, which ones do you think they're going to be able to name first? victim in the sec it is about brand building as a conference so my job as brett your mark or as conference commissioner is not what's best for ucf what's best for cincinnati what's best for Brooklyn. what's best is to get all of you the most money you can and hope that you do the best job you can with that money by building this brand Remember, made fun of the hipper younger cooler remark but he's not wrong like the idea behind it the reality of what he's saying is we have to do the things that get the fans who are younger and that that attract those younger fans who are going to grow up caring about the Big 12, that get the players who are younger to care about and want to come and play for the Big 12 as a brand. Because a lot of these kids, yeah, they're tweaking their school, be it Alabama or Georgia or Florida or Auburn, but they want to go play in the SEC, right? That's the comments you hear from people who cover recruiting. They want to go play in the SEC. And from there, they'll figure out which school it's going to be in. That's the mindset you have to have about the Big 12 if you want to be number three. We can talk about expansion. We could talk about what teams to add. Until players want to go and play in the Big 12, your focus has to be purely on the conference, and that's his job. I think
3: a lot of us are excited at the chance of maybe playing Texas or Oklahoma next year, especially Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel over there and that whole tie. But what's your confidence level that those two schools are actually still going to be around by the time we enter the conference? I know everybody's saying the right things right now, and they're going to be there. Do you feel confident that those schools will be around?
1: On, let me put it this way. Um, I don't think either of them want to pay the money that's required to get out, no matter how much money Texas has um, early. So unless they come up with some deal or ESPN comes in with some deal um, or there's some incentive to get Brett Yormark to want to allow them to leave early at some reduced cost or something, they're here. We, I don't know how many more people have to talk about these grant of rights and basically say, like, you're not breaking a grant of rights without basically giving up an insane amount of money. That's why no one's leaving the ACC early. Like, that's why Oklahoma and Texas aren't already gone. Like, the lawyer, they, everyone has to say that legally, that they're committed. And if you ask me to put money down on it, do I think that they might leave by 24? Sure. But I think they're here next year. You're going to get a year of, of Oklahoma and Texas in a 14-team Big 12. Like, it's going to happen. And they, I know we all thought last year they'd be gone early. No problem. I mean, we treated last fall like this might be the last season. I went to Bedlam. I don't like going to Bedlam as an Oklahoma State fan. We lose all the time. It's not always fun. I went to Bedlam because I was like, this could be the last Bedlam in Stillwater. By golly, we won. Merry Christmas to me. Great Christmas present. Um but just like to remind everybody that my pregnant then pregnant wife was freaking awesome because we got down on the field together, and that is not the easiest drop for a pregnant woman to make. And props to her and all the how much things. of a drop is that? Tall. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. I didn't bring a yardstick. Uh but <laughs> I lost my train of thought on that one. As <laughs> long you didn't push her down. <laughs> I guess, no, right. Hey, her yeah. Props to her. <laughs> I don't think they're leaving early. Like, the longer, the further we get into this, like, maybe they do, but they're going to have to negotiate some deal that makes a lot of sense. And I almost think they're going to have to get help. And I don't know what ESPN's incentive is to get them out to the SEC early. Like, they don't care. Like, it, unless they just have to have them in 2024 when the new SEC te- deal kicks in, maybe they get out then. But they're here next year. And I, at this point, I would be more shocked if they left early than I would if they stayed all the way until 20, summer of 2025.
2: Let's talk about this upcoming season. Uh, preseason predictions uh, have Baylor number one. Is that how you see it?
1: Um, I have Oklahoma number one. Um, and I've the longer I've done this, the more I hate rankings. I hate one through ten. Oh, well, you and would...
2: Mike, like this. Fast friends.
1: <laughs> I, because because in reality things work more in tiers than they do i mean the problem with like one through ten is it was like why would you put us fourth like fourth one to four is like some drastic drop off like one through four could be like a minuscule difference it could be the same distance one to four as it is four to 35 or 10 in this case um i like tiers. i think ou is in a top tier and, and maybe it's just that they've done it for so long. And, yes, I know they missed the Big 12 title game last year, but it's because they lost the two teams that were in there. It was a down year for Oklahoma, and they still went 10-2 and two and won their bowl game. Like, <laughs> we all love that. Uh, I have OU in the top tier. I have Baylor in that tier with them as well. Um, and then I've got a big old grouping of OSU, Kansas State, and and Texas kind of together. And, and I I keep debating if someone else should be in that tier with them. Maybe not. I think OU will probably get it done. My biggest question for OU this year, Brent Venables is going to bring in a new culture. And I say new, it's the culture that was there under Bob Stoops, which is a far more aggressive, hard-nosed, disciplined program than I think Lincoln Riley ran. And culture takes time. And... Playing that style when you have a roster who's not used to playing that style because it hasn't been that way for four years and you don't have a roster of players who remember what it was like when Bob Stoops was still the head coach it takes time to integrate. So if there is a down year for Oklahoma, I still don't see him winning fewer than nine games like I. Don't get me wrong, OU losing to Nebraska, so they have to give Scott Frost an extension when they don't want to, is the funniest thing that could possibly happen this college football season outside of AM losing to a random team. But like that is the most wouldn't it be funny possible? But I just I don't like I still feel like Oklahoma still has too much talent. And it's not like you I get it. It's a whole new coaching staff. I mean, there's a few holdovers. And we don't know what Brent Venables is gonna be like as a head coach. We know he's a dang good defensive coordinator, and if you think Ted Roof is actually going to be the one calling the defense and not just doing the prep during the week so that Venables can call the defense during games, you're crazy. And Levy's offense is perfect for college. It's not perfect for pro, and if you want to go pro, like, you, your good stats are going to look good, but I don't know how good you're going to be as a pro running that system, but it's going to win you a lot of games and get you a lot of stats in college, and he's got a quarterback who knows it. So, like, there's a plenty of reasons to, to be worried about Oklahoma but there's plenty of reasons to be worried about every team in the big 12 this year. And so I'm going to lean on the team. That's got the most talent and has proven enough times that, that they can use that talent in close game situations to beat teams who are inferior from a roster standpoint than they are. So I'll give Oklahoma the edge at number one. I think Baylor's at number two, that defensive line is, is scary. Uh, Defensive lines in the Big 12 this year are going to be a ton of fun to watch. I would hate to be an offensive lineman in the Big 12 this year. They're already not great. They're good. There's good offensive lines, but compared to the defensive ends and the pass rushes you're going to face, good luck. Have fun. I hope you can survive the whole season with a healthy offensive line. I put Baylor at two, and then it's it's just – I mean, who knows with Iowa State? They're wild card, but they – seem to have a winning Big 12 record every year, even though they can't beat Iowa. Uh Kansas State's roster looks really good, and Deuce Vaughn is going to be a ton of fun. Texas has a ton of weapons on offense, but I've got major questions on offensive and defensive line, and we've got to see if that defense can take a massive step forward. And, oh, by the way, Quinn Ewers hasn't played – actual college or actual college football period or college or football in a few years he's technically would be a true freshman had he played his senior year in texas in high school but didn't because texas decided that high school they wouldn't do nil for high school students that's why i went to ohio state make a bunch of money oklahoma state you lost a lot off that defense like they shouldn't be bad you brought in Derek mason who's a good defensive coordinator but spencer sanders is spencer sanders is he going to take the big leap this year i don't know um i mean every team has questions the ones that i feel like i have the fewest about are oklahoma baylor and kansas state which is why i kind of think kansas state might get to the big 12 title game because ever since the big 12 title game came back somebody new has been in it every year oklahoma got there every year until last year but it was tcu and then it was texas and then it was baylor and then it was iowa state and then it was oklahoma state last year and so If that trend continues, somebody new has got to get in there. Well, that leaves Kansas, West Virginia, I, uh, Kansas state and Texas tech of those four. If I'm going to keep this trend going, I feel most confident in Kansas state and it probably will finally end this year. But I thought for sure it was going to end last year and it didn't.
0: All right. If you follow the sons of UCF at all, Philip, one of the things we do is we put coaches on hot seats probably okay. prematurely at times, but we like to put a good coach on a hot seat. So in the football specific realm, which big 12 coach is on the, is on the hot seat for you this year?
1: There's not one. I, 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 and to I that's be a terrible, and it's, that's gotta be know, somebody. Well, here, here's the problem. Um, from performance standpoint, you would say it's Neil Brown, but if they try and fire him this year, they're own like $20 million. And so Neil Brown is safe. Like the hottest seat is the guy who they would, they just can't afford to fire after this year. Even if they have a bad season, like, you just you can't. It's, it's too much money for West Virginia to fork over to fire a football coach and hire a new one. Um, outside of that, I mean, you're not going to fire Venables after one year unless they win one game. Uh, are they going to fire Sark? I mean, you just got Arch Manning. Even if they go five and seven again, as long as Arch Manning stays committed, Sark's not going anywhere, at least not right now, not with Quinn Ewers there and Arch coming in. Um, Texas Tech's got a new head coach. TCU's got a new head coach. Dave Aranda just won the Big 12 last year. He's not going anywhere. Kansas isn't going to fire Leipold. Um, Let's see. Matt Campbell. I'm surprised they don't have a statue of him already. That leaves Kansas State. So, okay. Let's play this game. The only coach I could reasonably see maybe be in the hot seat at the end of the year if they have just a terrible season, especially when... You have the most players on the preseason team. You have Deuce Vaughn back. And there are some expectations for you this year. Maybe Kansas State just bottoms out and has a bunch of injuries and goes three and nine. And Coach Kleiman's on the hot seat. But even then, he'd be on the hot seat entering next season. I don't see a coach being fired this offseason for on-field performance issues. If anyone's fired, it's for off-field stuff, or someone just leaves for another job, and so they have to hire somebody new. But I, I honestly think, uh, yeah, unless Kleiman just bottoms out at Kansas State and they win like two or three games, I I don't I think everyone's safe this year.
0: All right, well, get, give Mike some time. He'll, he'll work on that. i will get back to you. And who who is on the hot seat? He's good at this. It's a it's a it's a science that he's got.
1: Yeah, if you're going to win
3: two games, you're on the hot seat. <laughs> Automatically. <laughs> there you go. But again, that's hot
1: seat entering 23. Not like I don't see anybody whose seat is hot enough right now that if they have a bad season, they're getting fired. Again, it would have been Neil Brown. If Neil Brown wins four games or five games, Like he's his seat is hot. They owe him $20 million. Nah, they're not going to pay that to get rid of him.
3: All right, of the four teams joining the conference, who do you think is the best overall fit to go along with what you guys have now?
1: Hmm, well, it's not This BYU. is a
2: UCF-based show, if that'll help.
1: <laughs> it's not BYU. Um, here, I'm going to take pot shots at all four, so it's fair. It's not BYU. Um, I don't like Dr. Pepper. Uh, it's not Houston, because I'm not sure how much they actually care. Uh, it's not Cincinnati, um, because they put – I don't I don't know what Skyline Chili is still. I think mm. it's Chili on Spaghetti, which is – like, I've seen it, but I don't want it. Um, it's fair. <laughs> it could be ucf but you guys aren't any good at basketball so i don't know how you're gonna fit in here i i'm kidding uh uh that was fun
0: Uh,
1: i'm trying to be more positive and optimistic on my show and and so it's fun to go elsewhere and, and not be i think ucf might actually be the answer houston makes the most sense because they're in texas and and closest in proximity right but i I think there are avid Houston fans. Like I think Houston cares more about men's basketball than they do football, which makes sense in the big 12. Um, Cincinnati. I'm still getting to know them. BYU. They're coming. Um, UCF's UCF's got a shot there. I mean, honestly, I know I'm on a UCF show. I'm I'm supposed to be pro-UCF so that everyone will like me and follow us on Twitter and listen to my show. I think UCF has a real shot here. And I think the reason people wouldn't pick UCF is, again, geography, them being so far away. I just don't think everyone's as familiar with them. Um, And maybe it'll be Cincinnati when I get to know their fan bases more, but I've got to add a Cincinnati show to the network, and we just haven't done so yet.
2: Let's wrap up here. Tell us more about your show and the 1012 network.
1: Uh, My show is the 1012 podcast. We are the flagship show of the 1012 network. As I said, the 1012 podcast, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. As a network, we started this uh, in 2021. Um, The goal was to create a podcast network that focused on the Big 12 conference. We were announced it. We planned it for months, and we announced it like two weeks after it was. Uh, we found out oh, OU in Texas were leaving. Yes, we got a lot of questions. Of, are you still going to have a podcast network built around a conference that may not exist? Luckily, it still does. Um, my goal is to add a show for every school, uh, one show for each school. Uh, find the best shows and the best podcasters and the best people I think fit our network and create a, a broad variety of individuals who are passionate about their school and are passionate about being in the Big Twelve. Um, To just create a sense of, I hate using the word community because it's like a marketing buzzword that gets thrown around a little bit too much, but I can't think of a better one off the top of my head that doesn't sound more synergy-like. So we'll go with community, but a community of podcasters who love their school and love talking about it and love the Big 12. That's why I love having you guys. I think you guys are fantastic. I think you're the best UCF podcast there is. There are other good UCF shows. I know of one. I'm sure there's more. I said, you guys are the best. Like It's okay to be like, there are also people who do this well. Um and so look I love our network. We're 11 shows strong. You can find every show at 1012network.com, T E N, the number 12, the word network. And like I said, I am the host of 1012 Podcast. It's the show that started it all. Uh, we promote or we post twice a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, we're getting into football season, so it's an easy schedule. Mondays, we recap the weekend that was and look to the week ahead. And on Thursdays, uh, we make picks. I've got two co hosts on Mondays and two co hosts on Thursdays. And that's how it goes till basketball season. And then we throw the everything into the wind and figure out what we're going to do. Like we always really do.
2: Philip Slavin, we will consider you part of the UC family and thank, thank you. you for being with us on the sons of UCF.
0: Sports social podcast network.
1: For
2: the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts.